0: You believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey bright lights, it's Angela and welcome to the Halloween edition 2022 of architecting. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays. Fall is one of my favorite seasons. And I thought we could really have some fun today with this idea of fear and what it means to be afraid. What a lot of people don't realize is that fear is the opposite of love, not hate. The reason for that is when we feel in a state of love in a state of joy grace we are expansive and we are open to possibilities when we feel fear on the other hand we shut down the armor goes on and nothing's getting in but nothing's getting out which might just be the scariest part of all as you may know, Halloween and the days after it are a series of dates that are really recognized the world over as a time when the connection between the human world and the spirit world is a little bit more porous. In that porosity, you have that choice of either being expansive and connecting more profoundly or shutting down in fear. Your choice, what you get to do. But when we shut down, when we think we are protecting ourselves and hunkering down and saying safe, what we're actually doing is creating what might just be the biggest horror show of all. This particular fall there is a special emphasis on reflection based on what is going on. You know, we've seen the big solar flare, the gamma ray burst, you know, all kinds of things are happening. Most people are reporting being busier than ever, experiencing emotional traumas, all of that. What we're really being asked to do at this time of year is to reflect is to take stock, is to say what stays and what goes in my life. We talked last episode about the pandemic and disruption and whether we welcome disruption or we fight disruption in how well we use disruption to see things we couldn't see before and to innovate and experiment and really elevate our lives because of the disruption. Today, I wanted to explore that a little bit more deeply. Again, going into that idea of what do you fear? And how do you, as you reflect on your life and you bump up against those fears, move forward instead of going into that anger, guilt, and shame spiral? And you're probably thinking... This sounds like a bunch of psychobabble. What does it have to do with my job? What does it have to do with being in a creative profession? When we are in self-doubt, we're not confident. When we're not confident, our ego is taking over. And why is that bad? It's bad because everything becomes about the voice in our head, about us. We stop relating to other people and instead are reacting to other people. We stop having that empathetic view of what are they thinking, what are they feeling, being curious whether we like something they did or said or not about why they did or said that. And I'm not trying to give anyone a hall pass for bad behavior. I'm simply trying to say, when we can be more curious about their motivations, instead of assuming we know them, right, because that's what we do, we can at least connect better with them. We can at least be heard better in that situation, make decisions better, co-create better, or even exit the situation better. Most of our negative self-talk, most of what keeps us hunkered down in that fear is coming from anger, guilt, and shame, which is being triggered by somebody else's behavior. As you reflect on where did it come from? Why is it happening? Be focusing on that inner critic, that voice in your head. And that voice in your head probably started with things you heard your parents say to you or a teacher or a respected adult or family friend. We've grown up with authority figures, people we love, people we trust, telling us things. And sometimes they were specifically directed at us, criticisms about our behavior, making us wrong, but we absorbed them. And when we were children, that voice was an external voice. But as we become adults, that voice becomes internalized. Think about when you bump into these scary situations, the ones that trigger the anger, guilt, and shame, the ones that put you into that shutdown fear response, I want you to ask, whose voice is this really? It's not your voice. Would you talk to someone else the way you talk to yourself? If you were watching your life as a movie and were detached from it, how would you feel about the events as they unfold? Would you be more understanding, more compassionate? Would you see the learning opportunities in every moment of your life? Would you acknowledge that nothing is ever wasted, even the experiences that are tough or devastating or unpleasant? That is your real voice. Instead, there is a monster in your head. That monster is that inner critic, and that inner critic... Is literally an amalgam. It's the voice of your mother telling you you never got anything right, or when you had a big accomplishment, saying, That's great, but the codependency demanding your attention, demanding perfection, demanding complete obligation so that you are forever enmeshed and tied into a relationship. Those voices are your inner critic. What's really interesting as you start to do this work, as I've been sharing with you, I've been on this journey for a while, for a while. And it really is like peeling an onion because the more you do, the more you find. But the more you keep peeling back, the more you get... To that state of unhooking from that ego response and really truly coming from your higher purpose. And the more you can come from your higher purpose, the better you can connect with the people you're meant to connect to. The easier you can let go of the people that aren't going to agree with you because guess what? Not everybody is going to love you. Not everybody is going to agree with you because they all have their own stories, their own stories. And that's what we don't realize. That's what our ego and our inner critic don't let us realize. I've been, especially in this fall season, really trying to do this reflection work really trying to take a lot more time to relax and regenerate. And as I do that, I've had some very, very bizarre situations come up because I needed to see them in a way I never have before. First situation that came up was someone who I had been in a relationship with, but had mutually agreed to break up, things had been amicable, suddenly I look at my phone a few weeks ago and there is this barrage of texts that they have sent, one right after the other, which first of all is uncharacteristic of this guy. He doesn't normally text like that. And second of all, every single one is an insult. And they're not connected. Each text is a completely different way he has thought of to insult me. And this is completely unprovoked. I had not (laughs) been texting him anything. There is no situation that I'm aware of anyway that has arisen that would provoke this. So literally, out of the blue, in an amicable enough relationship, Crazy insults come hurling in. And each one, interestingly enough, is attacking a limiting belief that I have. Things like you are never good enough. you're about to leave for another conference, have fun, and basically mocking the fact that I speak and that I have won a big award lately and trying to minimize or make fun of that saying that he stayed in the relationship because he liked my kids more. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff, right? I've done enough work. The old me would have been furious, would have written back equally insulting and angry texts, would have tried to prove why every single statement made was a lie, would have tried to make him admit what was really going on. The new me could read this and go, Huh, this didn't sound right. And so all I wrote back simply was, what is all this about? There was an opportunity to get clarification in that curiosity. And the clarification I got were a lot of long-winded, backpedaling answers that frankly were still trying to blame me for why he felt a certain way to absolve himself of his own negative self-talk, his own doubts, his own fears, and for whatever reason, needing to ruminate about our relationship, rewrite history, change the facts, and tell himself a story that in that moment, for whatever reason, he needed to hear. Ah, there is the lesson. This barrage of insults, this anger, could have hooked me in, but instead was an opportunity to see how he was actually playing out his own feeling. This was an absolutely crystal clear example of someone having, for sure, their own story. It couldn't have been more clear that I was being drawn into something that I didn't belong in, that I was asked to play a role of a character. And I had a choice in that moment whether I was going to accept the part and read out that script or say, no, thank you. Another lesson I had related to a workplace issue. So if you think this can only happen in your personal relationships, you are wrong. As you know, I am an unflinching advocate for the things I believe in. I do work to connect with people where they are. I also acknowledge that I'm not for everyone. Some people are going to resonate with me and some people are not. And again, in a professional setting, in a workplace setting, we often get told this lie that if everyone doesn't love us, were doing something wrong. So you have this moment when you are confronted, as I was, (laughs) to do that inner check. And this person, much like my ex, had a series of things that were grievances, and in some cases, had actually taken the time to type things that I said that were considered unacceptable really i believe thinking they were being helpful but actually being completely insulting to me because as this list of grievances was read out i could clearly see the filter and i'm not going to go into a lot of detail here because i do not want to embarrass or out this person and what i could see was a pattern so in multiple situations over a period of a couple of months, things that I had said not related to this person about completely different issues or topics or other people had triggered them. Therefore they had taken the things I said completely out of context, internalized them and been triggered by me even when the situation had nothing to do with them they could not see that and now because i was the one who had tripped the wire were turning that on me lesson to learn right I could be hyper aware of the fact that people may or may not be sensitized to literally anything I could possibly say, or I could just speak my truth in love and say, I don't own this, right? That was the lesson for me. Not to apologize to this person, not to feel bad about myself. And this is the important thing, right? Because... What's being triggered here on my part is the little grains that people always find when they criticize and our inner voice, our inner critic, that monster in our head is absolutely cheering those other people on and going, yeah, you do suck. Yeah, you might be good at this, but what about that? You're incompetent in that area. Oh my God, you have no friends. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to work with you, right? That's that inner voice. That's that inner critic. And when we hear other people say things that have those messages embodied in them, we stop seeing the situation as our highest self, we stop being in love mode where we are open to possibilities and curious and we want to curl up into a ball and go hide in the corner under the coffee table. That's the fear response. And that's where we really need to Shine the flashlight into that corner where we really need to expose that monster as an illusion. As an illusion. And we need to go grab the hand of that wounded version of ourselves and say, come with me. I got you. You don't have to do this anymore. It's not about you. And that was my big lesson, because it would be so easy in both of these situations to demonize the other person. They were attacking me. There was a lack of clarity of the situation on their parts because there was a need to make me wrong. Those are the facts. But by saying not this time, I see this for what it is. And thank you. Thank you for helping me to once again see my own story and how you are in your own story. And how can we navigate this gracefully? Because it's not about me. Your feelings are your own. And other people's feelings are their own. Unless you have done something that is deliberately out of integrity. You are not responsible for how other people react. And as I reflected over this this weekend, I really took a lot of time this weekend to rest and recharge for the first Saturday. And I don't know how long. I had nowhere to go and nothing to do. I slept until I woke up. Wow, when's the last time that's happened for you? I meditated. I got some amazing, amazing downloads just from being in that different state of mind about new directions I want to take things, ideas for podcasts, potential guests, so so much exciting stuff coming up. I did yoga and then I realized I need a pedicure because I'm going on a high level retreat next week and I my feet <laughs> Really needed some attention. And I'm thinking, it's Saturday. The salon is going to be busy, booked up. But let me see if they can add me on today or tomorrow or maybe during the week one day. And I call and they say, do you have any openings? I'll take two if you have them. Cousin, my daughter and I can do a mother-daughter thing. And they said, if you come in 10 minutes, that works. The salon has street parking and then a lot on the other side of the street. Pull up. There is a spot right in front of the door. Have our pedicures and walk to the park that is right by the salon. There's a restaurant in that park. Have a beautiful lunch sitting outside on this gorgeous fall day. Why did all of this unfold? Why is everything working out for me? Why did I get all these amazing downloads? Because I let go. I learned the lesson from negative experiences. I took time to rest and reset and restore myself. I took time to get the armor off, right? The defensiveness, the fearfulness. And I'm a warrior at heart. So when I encounter opposition or attacks, my first nature is to fight. And being able to say, no, this is not your hill to die on. This isn't your fight. It's their fight, and you need to walk away. And one of the things that came to me, I mentioned that I am planning a live event in Cincinnati. It is going to be coming up in about a month on Saturday, December 3rd. What came to me was the idea of Saluted Genesis for the soul. I am... An architect, I work in healthcare, but my work is very research based. And my personal why, why am I doing this? Why am I an architect? is because I'm absolutely convicted that our environments have a profound effect on how we feel, and how we feel impacts physically our health and well being. Even though As an architect, I cannot control what someone brings with them in terms of life experiences, problems, state of mind, state of mental or physical health. I have no control over any of that that someone brings with them. But through the environmental resources, I can offer them in a space I can help to deactivate their stress response, I can help them feel more empowered, more at ease, more connected to themselves, to the world, and I can help them be their best self. I'll never wave a magic wand and solve the world's problems, but just being able to do that, I believe, is the purpose of architecture to elevate people who experience it and help them be a better version of themselves. Even if it's only in that moment, even if it's only for a short time, you have helped that person on their journey, in their healing. And that idea of architecture as medicine carries through to the clubhouse room that I do with Megan Mazzocco, Where we focus on this with guests every week. It really has led me to redefine myself as a space shaman, not just a builder or a designer, but someone who actually does apply healing properties through design. Term salutogenesis, if you have not heard of it, is Latin and it literally means health generating. And it's a term that you will find a lot, especially in the healthcare architecture community. The work I do on this podcast really is the inner work we need to do if we if we believe in this stuff, if we really care about design making a difference, if we really want to change the world, we have to do the inner work. Because if we don't do it, that inner critic will come to life, will tell us. Who do you think you are? How dare you take a stand on an issue? What do you know? That's not going to work, right? I mean, we've all heard those voices. Sometimes we've heard them through other people speaking, as my two experiences recently have shown. Sometimes it's our own doubts and fears because we've had these experiences with other people. What I really wanna do with architecting is to help you do that inner work so that you can do that outer work. Just like in my own practice, I'm applying salutogenesis to have spaces that make people their best selves, that turn down that stress response. I want to help all of you apply that same idea to your psyche. What if we can unmask that monster in our head once and for all and say, I see you for who you are, not today, not any day, I'm done. What if we could take that stressed out, burned out, overextended, fearful part of ourselves that doesn't believe we deserve be put first, that doesn't believe That we need to be whole and healthy and confident and full in order to serve others. And what if we could apply health-generating principles to ourselves, to our lifestyles, to how we structure our career? Look for so much more on this idea of salutogenesis for your soul. We're really going to start building from the inside out the life we were called to live we're really going to get in touch with our own needs and from that place we are going to claim the kind of career that we want and because of that because of that alignment because of that absolute wholeness integrity And if you didn't realize it, the opposite of integrity is duplicity. So we lie to ourselves first when we are not authentic. We lie to ourselves first and then to the world by putting on the happy face for everyone else, being, doing, appearing, serving as we think they want us to be instead of as the person we really are. And when we don't show up as our true selves, that can be truly monstrous. I hope you are excited, as excited about this idea of salutogenesis for your soul as I am. I hope that you will continue to join me in not only listening to this program, but participating in some of the other ways that we can be in community together. Look for more information on this live event in Cincinnati. Look also for a workshop that I will be doing in January on stressless success. And I'm also going to be opening the doors once again to my Stressless Success Academy, which is an eight-week program where we really go into a lot of this stuff, a lot of this salutogenesis for your soul work and really help you detach from all the old stories, all the doubts, get absolute clarity on your purpose, and start living your why. Because when you live your why, when you live in that authenticity, in that integrity, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to suddenly love you. They won't. But it is going to mean that when you encounter an attack or an opposition, that you don't let it take you down, that you're able to keep moving forward, moving on, dreaming big because you didn't make yourself wrong because of somebody else's story. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed you can follow me on social media at Podcast, or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.